Unheard Words podcast. I'm really excited to have you all back again this week, and without further ado, I'll just hop right into my opening thoughts. This past weekend, I was able to see all of my old college friends and hang out with them around campus, and it was great to see them all again and to get to talk with all of them. On the car ride home, I was speaking with one of my friends who I carpool with, and I turned to her and said, we are so lucky. We both got really emotional from that statement. The fact we were able to make genuine connections in our undergrad, whom have stayed with us, and despite life taking us all in different ways, we've still managed to stay in contact, even if it's just a text here or there asking how everyone's been. And I think the best friendships are that way. The ones where you don't have to constantly prove that you're friends, but you feel secure enough in your relationship that sometimes it's just a text every once in a while, and you both know that you're friends no matter what. But it really made me start thinking about my life, as well as how blessed I am. I'm really a lucky person in this world, not only to have a loving family that I do, and the great friends that I do, but also to have been born in the U.S. I know that media likes to discuss how awful our country is, but there are so many opportunities that we have that other countries don't. We have freedom of speech in our country, that, and it was founded upon that, and there aren't many countries that have that. Yes, of course, we have our problems with social aspects and the constant changing times, and laws not catching up with those times. Now we have, you know, cancel culture, which is a poison and annihilating our ability to forgive people for actions they've done years ago. And of course, this is discounting criminals uh, who have yet to serve their sentences for rape or pedophilia. But also, we're dealing with racial injustice. And it's hard not to hate our country sometimes until you step back and realize that the spotlight has always been on the U.S. to lead and to be the leader of the world. So, of course, it will be critiqued and picked apart any moment that it can. There's a lot that needs to improve here, but our grievances and issues is like shining a light through a kitchen window and looking into a dysfunctional family and then reporting all of the problems to the world. In reality, every family has problems, every country has problems, and while that doesn't excuse the problems, it does put into perspective that we aren't alone, and we do have a lot of blessings. Our version of oppression is so much different than it is in other countries in today's day and age, not just in history. And again, this doesn't discount that there shouldn't be this oppression at all, but it is important to recognize that we live in a country where we can speak freely, where we can protest freely, and while those ideals are sometimes contested and there are legitimate cases of infringement, that's a vast minority. I mean, just look at the Black Lives Matter protests that were in full spring of swing over the summer. If we lived in a true authoritarian country and our democracy was really shot like the media likes to portray, then those protests would have never occurred. Anyone protesting would have been gunned down in the streets and the idea of questioning the government would have been squashed. There's a lot of work that still needs to be done to ensure that everyone feels safe and secure and that racism isn't in our society anymore and that sexism isn't in our society anymore and rapists and murderers are putting, being put away for their crime instead of slipping through the cracks. When you step back from examining all the issues, I think it's totally healthy to think, I want to improve this country and our society because I love it, because I want it to be better, because I want it to be healthy. 
for those in first world countries, I know I don't only have American listeners here, but all of us are so, so lucky to have the opportunities that we have and to have the freedom that we have and to live in a place where we likely don't have to worry about food or where there are soup kitchens to help the poor and governmental assistance instead of abandoning the people. It almost feels like praising the bare minimum sometimes, but when the bare minimum isn't offered in the rest of the world, I think it's also okay to think that, you know, I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad I'm a female in the U.S., even if there's a lot of oppression and sexism going on in U.S. society and everywhere else in the world, but I can honestly say it's a lot harder to be a woman in a lot of other countries. And I think that, and I, I do think I'm very lucky to be born here. So I think we can all look around us and find blessings. We may spot some problem areas, but we have to remember that the reason why we want to fix anything is because we love it. And we think it deserves to work again in a better way. Don't take my words for complacency, though. I don't think it's okay to stand in the middle of a fire and think, boy, am I lucky there are blue skies without putting out the fire. But if we find water and stand in the middle of the fire while dousing the flames and think, I'm really grateful to have water, then I think it's healthy and appropriate to recognize the blessings in our lives and to just be grateful for it every once in a while. You passed through a mall, window shopping, glancing at the new winter fashion through the glass of the store. Do we truly own anything, you wonder to the Grim Reaper, or is it foolish to strive for more? An interesting debate you've touched on, though surely you didn't know. Within your own law system, your question tends to echo. What does it mean to own a thing? What encompasses property? Is there a potential for humans to own what they cannot see? Does owning possessions give you a purpose? And are you less human to own what they cannot see? Does owning nothing make you less? You ask me questions that seemingly cannot be answered entirely by anyone. If the human condition is to strive for comfort, does happiness come from the possession of things? And is peace of mind an obtainable object that enough money can bring? Humans technically own nothing at all. Possessions are claimed by the earth. But regarding the species of creativity, humans are clearly the first. You own your mind, and the contents of your thoughts are all your own. Every single idea is yours, right down to the decoration of your home. Would you be okay if that was all? Well, that's entirely up to you. To believe you can own physical objects or life itself, it's entirely up to you. So my first question today was, what will people say about you at your funeral? Wow, what a question. Again, thank you for everyone sending in questions like this one, which really make me think. If you'd like to send in questions, please email me at unheardwordspoetry at gmail.com. I'm not sure what people will say about me, to be honest. I can only hope and say, or I can only say what I hope people will say. I hope people will say that I have lived a long and happy life, or if I only live a short life, that it is filled with as much joy as possible. I hope they say I love to the fullest extent, and while I could be impossibly stubborn, that I was loyal and would do anything for my family and friends. I hope they discuss how I want them 
all to not dwell on my death and to find peace in their lives, to celebrate my life rather than be burdened by my death. I hope they say I was a devout Catholic who lived her life serving God, helping the poor and filling the world with as much peace before I go. I hope they say I was a fighter and that I fought against injustice in the world and had a strong moral compass, which I followed until the days I died. And I hope they say that when the time did come for death, to snatch my soul, that I was unafraid, that I laughed in the face of death and was excited for a new adventure. I'm not sure if they'll say these things. I'm not sure if anyone would even attend my funeral or mourn me. But what I do know is that I want to be a person worth having mourners at my funeral. And more so, I want to be someone whose life was worth celebrating. I'm still striving to be that person, and I don't think I'm there yet. But those are my goals as a person. That's the legacy I hope to leave behind. I hope my family knows that I love them, though I don't express it often. I hope I can slip into death and my family won't feel the impact of my loss, but instead look at my life and know that I found nothing but happiness in the end, and that my life has been so full of blessings that it was impossible for me to have a bad life or for me to have died in destitute and sadness. I live a wonderful life, so I guess that's my very short answer to that question. But I think that that is a solid answer for how I would answer that question. And I think that's what people will say, or at least I hope that's what people will say about me at my funeral. The second question I received today is, is there one book that spoke to you? in a special way. There have been many books that have impacted my life and made me into the person that I am. Actually, I would argue that I am entirely the person I am today because of books. I don't think I would even be close to who I am without them because they've shaped my very soul. They've crafted it, in fact. I used books for a really long time as a way to deal with my trauma and as a way to escape, but also to work through it. And there were some books that impacted me for a very long time, many that provided inspiration for my writing, and others were just for fun. I've spoken about the book Scythe before. That clearly was a book that has changed my perspective upon life and really made me appreciate all I have and take a deeper look into not only philosophy but also my morals and why I have them. It made me appreciate life in a new way. Since I've spoken about that, I'll leave that there, but there have also been books that have healed me, poems that have healed me and steadied my heart. I get a lot of healing from poems, actually. Whenever there's something painful that happens in my life, I find those words cleansing to my soul and my wounds. There's a lovely book of poetry by R.H. Sin called A Beautiful Composition of the Broken, which walked with me when I was dealing with a lot of heartbreak and a bad breakup. Those poems were short and clear, and that was what I needed at the time. I needed direct communication that things were going to be okay. There's another wonderful book called Things That Are, and I believe that's by Amy Leach, and there are a series of poetic essays regarding human life and nature and how they connect and intertwine, and it's a light-hearted book that had me laughing and soaking in the sun, something that wasn't too heavy to read. Then there have been heavy books that have shaped my life. 
I tend to steer clear of sad books, which is odd because I love sad poetry, but perhaps it's because I've read so many sad books in my life that I find no need for them anymore. Still, the hotel on the corner of Bitter and Sweet and Tuesdays with Maury come to mind when I think of sad books that have shaped my life. And I know that after I've recorded and released this podcast, I'm going to be kicking myself because I suddenly forgot all the important ones. But there are also classics which have changed my thoughts. To Kill a Mockingbird being one that sparked justice in me and the sudden need for social justice and to help in any way that I could. 1984, The Great Gatsby and Of Mice and Men all come to mind when I think of the classics. But what's more than just the historical aspect about those books is that too many times in classics that have withstood the test of time, they just don't have happy endings. They end in terribly sad ways where you don't feel fulfilled, but an overwhelming sense that life isn't fair and never has been. I think that's really why it's hard for people to like the classics, because that reality is hard to grapple with. So when I speak to people who don't like reading, it's not because they've never enjoyed reading, but because those books aren't meant to have happy endings. They're meant to make you think and sometimes have an adverse effect if someone's just trying to escape the mind and the world that they live in. Other books have opened my eyes to how the world is run. The Wave by Todd Strasser being one of them, Beloved by Toni Morrison being another. There are so many books that have shaped how I view the world, who have warned me not to be a pawn in them simply because of my surroundings or predicaments because of the environment that I've grown up in. In a more modern book recommendation, there's The Hunger Games, which is all about rebelling against injustice. Books are just so powerful, and I could go on and on discussing them for days. There's so much out there to read, and so many different scenarios to experience, and I think putting yourself in the mindset of the characters and analyzing their feelings as well as your own is extremely important, and then putting into perspective your own life Books are what shape geniuses. They make us who we are. So any attack on them is an attack on the potential for human intelligence. I couldn't possibly pick one book, since every book I read has shaped me, even if I wasn't a fan of them like The Catcher in the Rye. So I'm sorry I don't have a clear answer to your question, but hopefully a list of recommendations that will suffice. And I'm sure I've left out many and forgotten many, and I feel as though I should mention the picture, of Do- the picture of Dorian Gray somewhere, but I haven't quite fit it in. So I'll title drop that in Jane Eyre, and I'll close this recommendation session. So that's all for today's podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Um, if you'd like to follow me on my TikTok, it's Unheard Words. My Instagram is Unheard Words Poetry. And you can email me any questions or suggestions or comments that you have at unheardwordspoetry at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful week. I will see you next Tuesday. Bye, guys.